the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Two of tonight's Andrea K. Show. Glad to have you guys here with me. 888-344-1170. Uh, before the break, I was I was talking about uh, jaywalking. Not only is the left and the new Freedom to Walk Act. <laughs> Freedom to Walk Act. Because that's what y'all been worried about here in the state of California. You free to walk. Oh, I know that's been uh, uppermost of my mind. You know, how about instead of freedom to walk and worrying about whether or not I'm going to get a ticket for jaywalking, which I've never worried about getting a ticket for jaywalking because I'm able to understand how I'm supposed to safely cross the street and I don't need to be running out in front of cars, right? The only people see, that I see actually jaywalking and running out in front of cars are the homeless population roaming around because they're, you know, most of the that I see are mentally ill, Right. In fact, how about the Freedom to Walk Act be in the form of those of us that are scared to walk the streets in this country because of the crime wave that's happening? I didn't even check the stats this weekend. Uh, Weekend before last, we had two teens, I think, in Philadelphia just shot point blank in the head for walking down the street. That's happening across this country, particularly in New York City and pretty much every Democrat controlled major city in this country. You're free legally to walk down the street, but not that you're free legally to, but you're not free from the crime wave that's happening across this country, whether and and certainly uh, including in these cities that have the strictest of gun laws. That's probably the, 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 the city in which you're most likely to get just shot in the head for doing nothing but walking down the street. They don't want to be dealing with the crime wave that's made legal citizens scared to walk freely. No, they don't want to deal with that. No, they they want to look and see what can we decriminalize as a part of pushing the false narrative that people of color have to be given a pass when it comes to committing crimes in this country. We've got to continue to push that are that are in order to justify people like uh Fetterman who says that it's moral to release a first uh, someone who was convicted of first degree murder in order to justify the no cash bail policy in this country that 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 they had to free and using covid they had to put criminals and felons back out on the streets in order to justify the weak um i think it was it last week we talked about this they it, i think it was friday where vice did this interview with this guy who was convicted sex offender and the purpose of this interview was that they wanted to show how harsh society was on convicted sex offenders and how we need to get rid of the the sex offender registry. <laughs> that same guy that they interviewed turned around and sent a pic of his parts. He texted a pic of his parts to the producer of that. So it's, you know, it, they're always trying to push out the notion that they've got to decriminalize. They've got to give a pass 
on crime to people of color under the phony guise that our justice system is unfair to people of color. Here's Fetterman. Uh, and, and last hour, we were talking to Brian Maloney of Red Wave America. It should be just a clean sweep across the board. It shouldn't be tight at all. I'm not sure it really is tight. And it shouldn't be at all for this Oz race. Listen to Fetterman talking about how happy he is to release a first-degree murderer back out on the streets. I'm happy that he's going to be going home to his family. And that even if you're not moved by, again, the morality of having these folks go back home, so he he starts by saying look yeah I, he's asked are you happy to release a first degree murderer out on the streets he's like well uh, yes i'm very happy i'm very happy to release him back to uh, now he gets to go back and be with his family and he goes, look, even if you don't, even if you don't agree with the morality, the morality of releasing this person back to his family, let me tell you the the, the person he murdered in cold blood, that person's not getting to be reunited with his family. He goes, but even if you don't agree with that morality, how about the fact that now the taxpayers are off the hook for having to, to keep this person behind bars? What? How much are the taxpayers going to be on the hook for this person going forward? This person got a job, can support himself, or is this person going to go back after spending, uh, I, I don't know how much time behind bars, got no job, no skills. This person we're, is, is not going to continue to be a drain. I'd bet dollars to donuts that this person is going to go and reoffend, if not commit murder, but go and, and commit some other act of crime. What's the what's the uh, the reoffend rate for convicted murderers? First degree convict, convicted murderers that get put back out on the streets. And then he's asked about, well, would, was this person guilty or not? Is there is there a chance this person was innocent? Oh, there there can always be a chance that there's innocent. No, no. There are some cases in which we know that innocent people have gone to jail for murder. We know that that's happened in this country. But that there's not always a chance that a convicted murderer is innocent. That's absolutely a lie. You've got to be asking yourself, this is an across-the-board intentional action on the part of the Democrat Party to decriminalize, to put known, to, to not just decriminalize crimes, but an intentional act of putting murderers, felons, rapists, sexual... Uh, um, assaulters those on the sexual uh, uh, offender list what what that guy that, that vice interviewed what was this what did he do he sexually assaulted a sleeping woman he continues to maintain his innocence yet his dna put him there in a moment we're going to take a break we're going to bring in tom de to talk about the supreme court in those cases Speaking of law and order, you're going to want to stay tuned for that. I'm shocked. At, I'm shocked at the case. Everybody's talking today. Um, uh, uh, KGP, I think her name was, who the Karanji Jackson Brown or whatever her name is. The new Supreme Court clearly a diversity nomination there. You know, you know the the Supreme Court nominee who couldn't answer what the name. You know, uh, this uh, these Supreme Court justices are supposed to be our best and our brightest, and this is the woman who said she she wasn't able to answer. 
and define what a woman is? Her, yeah. Um, supposedly, you know, she jumped in the fray today talking about some EPA case. Really? That case is more important than hearing the defamation case involving Mike Lindell? Or the case involving the filter teams that it had to do with uh, with the former president of the United States having his home ransacked by the FBI? Supreme Court didn't hear that case? I can't wait to hear Tom DePicaro's perspective on that. I don't have time, but I might like his perspective on, uh, um, I don't really need, I know what he would say about this jaywalking case. But also in California, another case related to law and order was signed, uh, a bill was signed, not a case, but a bill was signed by Gavin Newsom Friday. It was called the Decriminalizing Artistic Expression Act. And what it does is it restricts the ways in which an artist's lyrics, rap lyrics, can be used against them in criminal proceedings. It doesn't ban the use of lyrics from the courtroom completely, but establishes an agreement that lyrics, um, what their criminal value can be as evidence. And I'm kind of torn on this. Um, I guess the way uh, the the way in which they've minimized the use of the criminal value is that it must show that the lyrics were written around the time of a crime, have some specific similarity to said crime or or depict factual details about the crime, otherwise unknown to the public. Um, And I guess in some ways I kind of like this idea because basically what they're saying is, um, That rap lyrics, that lyrics in and of themselves are really just about expression. What does it really have to do with, um, let's say to use this as an example, you're a president of the United States and you rap a song about an election being stolen, right? And you rap the lyrics and you do a rap about how the vice president of the United States should be denying the counting of electoral votes coming out of certain states in which there was some sketchy activity coming along. That's a great rap song that should not be used in the course of criminalizing a certain individual. I'm kind of liking this idea, right? That free expression under the First Amendment of these United States means free expression. And it means that those words, unless they're directly related to an actual crime, that somebody should be allowed to freely express themselves. So I'm kind of on board with that, right? Or how about the fact that, you know, people's tweets no longer are used as a way in which they get fired. I'm kind of liking that idea. It's free expression, right? Artistic expression. Maybe if every time somebody tweets their belief, their conservative belief beliefs, they do it in the form of a haiku. Maybe then the left might stop trying to cancel and try to criminalize conservatives and MAGA voters for their beliefs. I'm kind of liking this. That may be that maybe should be the defense for anybody on January 6th, right? It's their artistic expression. We're going to take a break. Time to time to take a skinny little break and then bring on Tom DeBacaro who's going to chat with us about this next go round of the Supreme Court. Stay tuned. to Political Vanguard or just Google Tom DeBacaro and you will see all his amazing work from the books that he's written, his latest TV interviews, his blog post, his articles. And he joins me tonight to talk about SCOTUS. 
first Monday in October has been here and they are off and running. It's the cases that they have decided not to take that have me interested in why I reached out to have Tom DeBacar join us tonight, famed attorney and political pundit. Hello, my dear. Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Okay, well, I got to ask you this before the break. My man, uh, DJ Jalapeno, is in the house tonight. He always plays my favorite tunes when Skins is out. Do you have a signature song that's like the Tom Dell song that we should play when Tom Dell is coming on a show? Well, yeah, of course. It's Tom Petty. Which Tom well, Petty song? Well, since his name is Tom, that makes sense. And, of course, his song... Won't back down. Oh, won't back down. Okay, good song. Good song. All right. Not exactly a smooth groove, which is my favorite my favorite brand of music. But I lo- I actually saw Tom Petty um, at San Diego State, the open uh, theater there. Absolutely amazing. I was glad I got to see him in concert. Okay. Yes, died of fentanyl, by the way, and oh. not because he knew what was going on. Um, I didn't remember that he died of fentanyl. I don't know why I thought yeah. it was natural causes. No. OD'd on fentanyl, uh, which is, you know, most people don't know that that's what's going on at the time it's introduced into their, uh, into the drugs that they are knowingly taking. He didn't realize that was in there. Wow. I I think he died before I think fentanyl really became a thing. Um, yeah, and be, it and, was earlier on. Yeah, yeah, it was early on, and of course now it's a major problem. It's actually the leading cause of death between uh, those eighteen and thirty-five year, year or eighteen and thirty-four. Leading cause of death last week, I think it was Tom Dell, and I didn't bring you on to talk about this, but uh, the one, uh, an assistant director of the CDC actually recommend recommended, and they are recommending now the CDC that all parents carry with them. Um, Naxalone, I think it's called, or naloxone or something, which is kind of an antidote to opioid overdose. And I thought, how sad that we that's where we've gone in yep. this country, that this is what's going on, that parents are recommended, that they carry something to, to stop an overdose of children. We've just gone completely off the rails. Um, but let's talk, let's focus on SCOTUS, um, because there's a couple of key cases today they decided not to hear. Tell us first your perspective on the Mike Lindell case. Well, so, you know, I've been an attorney for 35 years, and the uh, Dominion uh, has, of course, filed a defamation case against him. And the ruling not to pick up to review a lower court ruling, this is a federal case, which means the reason why it's a federal case is because uh, the plaintiff and the defendant are not in the same state. They're, no, they're not both living or domiciled in the same state. So you have a federal case, and they're suing him for defamation. It is remarkably easy to sue someone for defamation. And what I mean by that is the allegations you need to make is that in the case of a public figure, you had almost no reasonable grounds to say this is how you def- uh, how they win, but they just have to say the defendant made this statement, which was published even to a single person. Of course, he published it in many places, tending to injure the uh, credibility status uh, of a certain party. 
And, of course, Mike Lindell basically said many times that the Dominion machines were skewed to help Democrats. So I'm not surprised because this is such a simple, straightforward cause of action. And, you know, I have these types sued someone or on behalf of someone filed a lawsuit in that regard this very year. It's not a difficult case for them to make that decision. I don't really see it as particularly meaningful one way or another. So why was it so it really wasn't meaningful in terms of the U.S. Constitution? So there was no reason for. Okay, All right. Well, there you have it. Um, Let's talk about um, the other case that they were not willing to hear, which has to do with the filter teams that were used um, in, in the Trump raid. Yeah, this is interesting. Um, uh, Again, this is, you know, pretty arcane law. If I could just step back just for a moment. um, This six to three Supreme Court, five to four, depending on what the weather vane Roberts does in any one moment. Yeah. um, Is a is a Supreme Court, which so far is trying to limit where it involves itself, which, of course, is the proper role for courts. Unless they have the jurisdiction or unless it presents a certain question, they believe they don't have the authority to be involved. So if you look at the decision on abortion, which was radically misrepresented and continues to be by the American left. Mm -hmm. They didn't outlaw abortion. They said, we don't have the authority to act on this issue. They are restraining their own power. So you could easily look at the decision, these two decisions you have today and say, the Supreme Court doesn't believe that it should be inserting itself in this particular controversy at this particular moment. And that is a good natural thing. They it, often at the appellate level, what happens, having said that, at the appellate level, what happens when I've handled appellate cases for over 30 years is that the higher court will say one of two things. Either what the court did below doesn't really matter that much, so we're not going to talk about it because they don't accept every case and can't. Or they say, in effect, we don't have a constitutional, in this case, problem with what the lower court did. So if the lower court exercised its power properly and applied the law, the higher court's not going to say they may have reached a different decision on the facts than we would have down the line, but we're not going to, there's no additional constitutional argument to be made. So if, and when the Supreme court rejects certain cases, there could be a multiple of two of reasons why, and they don't always say why. And so that's why it's difficult to read this TV. 
I hope that wasn't too attorney-like for you. Well, no, I get it. I guess I'm looking at this, and let's tell everybody briefly what this Filter Teams case was about. I guess I'm fe- feeling as though this, you know, I, I'm, I guess I'm questioning the 11th, you know, Circuit Court of Appeals for their decision uh, not requiring. The Filter Team, is, it, it goes in, and they're supposed to filter out documents that are um, privileged, Correct. Um, okay. Right. I guess the the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals did not require the filter team to show that a privilege exemption may have applied to the questionable documents. Um, well, I don't know what, what they could and what they could be saying. Well, first of all, this is all fairly new stuff. What they could, what the Supreme Court could be saying is the procedure does not represent a constitutional question. That could be one reason the Supreme Court turned it down. Or they said the procedure they use does not violate the, con- the constitutional standard. Well, you and I may disagree with the, the chosen procedure, but because the Supreme Court often doesn't tell us exactly why they turn a case down, those are the two two broad reasons they might, and we may never know the true answer. Remember, well, I, I mean, decide, I just the Supreme Court doesn't decide five to four whether or not to take a case. Right. A, a subset of the justices do that. A subset does, yeah. So, um, you know, it, I mean, it's incredibly. I, I, I guess. I guess when we're looking at a broader picture of understanding that this FBI raid was absolutely handled in overly broad, um, you know, they went in, um, wanted cameras shut off, pilfered through everything, made no attempt. Clearly, these filter teams, made, they just grabbed anything they could, including passports, um, you know, you know, the. Um, yes, all of your true. I think it's disgusting. I think it violated the Constitution. I wrote how for in a fairly big national article about how the FBI and DOJ want to decide things. But the problem with the lower case is that it was very discreet, meaning it treated a very small particular issue. The greater issue is going to come out, hopefully one day, to find out how it is that that the FBI decided to be so political and that violation is something that they will sue upon. For instance, I don't understand why in New York that the Trump filings haven't been on fourth amendment grounds because that DA, that attorney general, sorry, announced that she was going to get Trump and then like a bill and then said about doing it. That violates the fourth amendment and we'll see one day that work its way through the courts to throw this out. At least I hope so. Well, I, I, I guess um, I guess it's really I, I, I'm still trying. I'm trying to figure out to me. Let me put still, let me let me, let me let me rephrase my question. I can't wrap my head around why the Supreme Court narrow or not. Did you know these filter teams went in there and took what is privileged documents? And so the and the. The Trump team had a right to file and say, you took privileged documents and I have the right to to not have my documents taken. And I don't understand how the Supreme Court could not look at the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals and say you were wrong in your decision 
to, and I guess what you're trying to say is they can be wrong in their decision and the Supreme Court's still not going to hear it if the, they reached a wrong conclusion, but did so following the Constitution. The con- That's very possible. Or think of it dif- in a different way. Look at how many challenges to Obamacare there have been. There have been like six or seven picking out particular aspects of the case. They just didn't file a case that said it's unconstitutional. It was the individual mandate. It was this. It was that. This won't be the only challenge. And so we'll have to see how this plays out. I know it's frustrating. They don't pick up every case. It's not, they're not capable of it. Um, there's probably thousands of constitutional violations going on right now in the DOJ, literally. Yeah, and I guess we need to not be looking to the Supreme Court to right the wrongs. I guess really what we needed was we needed Christopher Ray to be fired. We needed to not have Bill Barr put in as Attorney General. We needed yeah. to not have Jeff Sessions not, um, put in as Attorney General in the first place, who turned right around and recused himself. Right? Can we, I go back you one know. step farther. Can I go back yeah. one step farther? Yeah. We we should not have the federal government that spends half the money of the economy, a government that big is corrupt. And we should not expect to correct all of that corruption because so many of it is done on so many different levels. Right. I mean, this Supreme Court is probably following doing exactly like you're saying, they've, you know, um, uh, taking the approach of reining in their power and not taking cases where they're going to overstep. And it's just frustration on my part because and, and others, because we're looking for something you know, we we trust the courts, right? We've got, you know, what's happening with the FBI and the DOJ is a violation of our rule of law. So I guess it's natural to feel as though the Supreme Court's going to step in and right the wrongs. But really, the wrongs are really at a lower level. And that needs to be dealt with. And we're 36 days out from these midterms. And I don't have any confidence. I don't care what anybody is saying. I don't have any confidence that if we were to get a majority in the House and the Senate, that we would have anything but more Trey Gowdy, Benghazi, style theatrics that were never meant to hold anybody accountable. Yeah, look, if you look at the long-term record of Republicans, you do, uh, after they take over, you don't find what you're talking about. They And they're still burned. I think historians years from now, or this historian right now, believes that Republicans still think they were burned by the Bill Clinton experience and, and don't want to go down that road again yeah um all right anything that you want to share with us from your political wisdom and former time as being the head of the republic on these midterms yeah i i uh the this the the house is definitely going to flip it's just a question of by how much it could be a lot um but the senate has changed dramatically in the last three weeks the meaning the discussion of the senate because the two Democrat candidates, one in Wisconsin and one in Pennsylvania, have become severely exposed. Fetterman's health problems and record is now very much on the minds of voters. It's very obvious that he's, he's not physically capable of doing the job. And so he is falling significantly in the polls, and it's very possible now that that Pennsylvania will pick a Republican. And the same is true in Wisconsin. This is their candidate is radically left, says AOC is his president. And Ron Johnson, the incumbent, has significantly moved in the lead. So it's very possible now that it'll be 52 to 48 or even 53, 47 for Republicans. And that's important because of 
long term, it really should be 57-43 in the Senate. It should be. Um, it could be because the issues that we've got are just absolutely from, you know, the economic situation, the 30 trillion in debt to the fact that we're looking at we've, we've got a commander in chief that's got us close to some people are saying, uh, you know, possibly nuclear, you know, war um, by saying crap like uh, in like in February. You know, I said, you know, we're going to take out that Nord Stream. I mean, the guy's just, you know, a disaster walking. Yeah, and one other thing, at the start of this year, I said the biggest political dynamic to watch in America today in another op-ed was the Latino vote. And it continues to move towards Republicans, even by the the liberal polling. Uh, And if these numbers hold up, there's really no way for the Democrats to win the House, even up the up the ways from you in uh, Assembly District 42, where I was campaigning for Lori Mills. Uh, last night. Latinos favor her in that district in the northern part of L.A. That's an amazing, well, and also actually Ventura, but north of L.A. That's an amazing dynamic. Mm -hmm. And if that continues, that will be the biggest issue for the next decade and a big problem for Democrats with, with so many Latinos leaving their party. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I heard that when it comes to leaning Democrat, it used to be 40 percent Hispanic vote vote leading leaning Democrat in the polls. And now it's 20 something percent. They've lost about 20 percent when it comes to the polls, you know, um, likely voters or leaning Democrat. I don't know what outlet I heard that from today. Yeah, I mentioned that in last hour. Yeah, that's a liberal poll. There are other polls that show it much closer. So we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to see. All right. Well, thank you for being. Tell, tell everybody Always. if you, you've got a new article out, tell everybody where they can find well, it. Well, I don't. But my next article, I'll tell you, is about how everybody at the government trough hurts everyone. You think you got a good deal getting something from the government? The price you're paying is inflation turned bad recession. When everybody's at the government trough, everybody gets hurt. Well, yeah. I mean, this is what I was trying to say to these people. Oh, yeah. Who Biden signed off that I'm going to, uh, you know, give up, uh, you know, ten thousand dollars of my student loan debt. Yay. Well, well <laughs> you, the, the burden on the taxpayer is going to include you, fool. Am I wrong? Yeah. I, and a third of Americans right now have said that they are eating smaller portions or skipping meals. Yeah. That's how bad things are and why no one should vote for larger government ever again. Yes. All right. right. Thank you for being here, Tom DeBacaro. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thanks. We're going to take a skinny, tiny little break. Did you guys see, did Joe Biden, not only did he say today that he was Puerto Rican, basically, but did he also say that he was Satan? I think he did. We'll share that with you when we come back. Don't go away. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. The answer is San Diego. (laughs) Joe Biden. (laughs) In addition to uh, going down to Puerto Rico and basically saying he's Puerto Rican today, yesterday he tweeted on his official account, mind you, a comparison between himself and Satan. See, it wasn't us. It wasn't just us, by the way. It was clearly intentional when he went and set up the system. Of course, he didn't, right? Uh, His team set up that display that was clearly satanic in Philadelphia when he gave his speech uh, against MAGA, declaring war against MAGA. He tweeted out, he's got a fixation 
right? He tweeted out on his, this is the United States government official, Joe Biden account at Joe Biden. I mean, don't, don't just take my word for it. Go, go to Twitter and check this out. He says, my dad used to say, quote, Joey, don't compare me to the almighty. Compare me to the alternative. Then he goes on to say, and here's the deal. Democrats want to codify Roe. Republicans want a national ban on abortion. The choice is clear. Well, I mean, this is the most cogent and most clear statement he's made in a long time. He's absolutely right. He is satanic. There's And, and, and is this not the most clear self-own ever? Talk about a self-own. Comparing himself to Satan and comparing... I think he was trying to compare, make the Republicans compared to Satan. I'm not really sure what he was trying to accomplish. I think it was just a complete cell phone because um, do the Republicans want to ban a national ban on abortion? First of all, that's not true. The repeal and the overturning of Roe v. Wade left it back to the states. So there's been no attempt to ban abortion. In fact, Lindsey Graham stupidly tried to come up with a ban on on abortion, no, but with no support from the Republican Party at 15 weeks. That's not a ban on abortion. In fact, we are one of only when we had Roe v. Wade, uh, you know, um, back centralized. We are one. We're one of only three nation states in the world that allowed, and we still do it. Some states that allow for abortion past the heartbeat. And a heartbeat can be detected as early as six weeks, despite the fact that Stacey Abrams tried to come out and say recently that that was manufactured. That that sound you hear, that was made up by a bunch of men trying to control women's lives and control women's bodies. Um, but this is absolutely extraordinary. I mean, thank you. Uh, thank you, Joe Biden, for your honesty. Uh, Red State columnist Bud Patterson, the guy who carried the nuclear football for uh, Clinton and says that Clinton had lost it, lost it for three weeks, uh, lost the codes for three weeks. He says, so we're supposed to compare you to Satan? Okay. <laughs> that was good. Um, Daily Caller uh, news editor Grayson Quay tweeted, the Almighty will have plenty to say about your willingness to facilitate the industrial scale slaughter of the unborn to cement your own political power. True. Uh, committee, uh, committee to Unleash Prosperity President Phil Kirpin wrote, Re- uh, Republicans want a ban after 15 weeks, three and a half months of pregnancy, with exceptions for rape, incest, and the life of the mother. Uh, well, I would, I would substitute Lindsey Graham. I, we will, uh, those of us true conservatives want it left at the states. Democrats want taxpayer-funded abortions for any reason up to the delay, day of delivery with no conscience protections for providers who object actually here in California and beyond, they want post delivery abortion. Devout Catholic update newsbusters executive Tim Graham tweeted. Yeah. Cause this guy continues to declare himself a devout Catholic. No joke. I thought this was a parody account. Manhattan Institute fellow, Robert, uh, Verbruggen wrote, uh, Tom Fitton tweeted, fact check, the left wants to do more than codify Roe. It wants to push the killing of unborn human beings without any restrictions through the entire nine months of pregnancy with tax tax dollars uh, to start. So just just another example of uh, Joe Biden um, 
Somebody needs to, you know, I'm actually glad he did this, right? Uh, maybe maybe somebody, you know, all the people that were like, somebody needs to take Trump's phone away from him so he stops treating, tweeting at 3 a.m. Maybe somebody needs to take Joe Biden's phone away from him. Kind of, Kind of really stupid, but there you have it. Thank you, Joe. All right, we're going to take our final break of the show. There was a movie this weekend. That I had no idea, but evidently the star is saying that the fact that none of you men, none of you cis white men went to see it shows of how bad of homophobia is in the United States of America. We're going to share that with you when we come back. Don't go away. One of the biggest industries that was hit during COVID, right, was our movie theaters. And it really changed so much about our culture. People kind of stopped going to the movies. Um, because they kind of got used to staying at home, watching things streaming. They, you know, it, it, it it's kind of like um, if you get out of the habit of going to work out, going to the gym or go to here, go there, you know, you kind of it just no longer becomes a part of your routine, right? Or part of your social activity, part of your norms. And I think that it, it's kind of taken a while, I think, to get people back in the movie theater. And I think part of the reason why it's taken a while to get people back into the movie theater is that it takes most people know this. It's not as though. Um, the movie industry just, you know, they, it, I mean, it takes a long time for particularly a major motion picture to make it to the movie theater, right? I mean, it takes us, it takes an idea, a script that gets sold, that gets, you know, bantered, presented and pitched. And then, you know, somebody decides to green light a project and they decide to, they're, okay, we're going to make this movie. Then somebody's got to come up with the money and then they've got to, you know, hire, you know, pe- actors and there's just so much that it that goes behind getting a movie into the theaters that when the theaters were shut down for two years it wasn't as though there was a whole lot of movies ready to go and certainly not really good ones ready to go right i think top gun maverick really brought people back to the theaters right and and that was a great thing and it was a phenomenal movie that was actually finished i think pre-covid and they wisely tom cruise and the producers held on to it wisely and waited for the right time to bring it back out and then of course the quality of the movie went a long way as to why it became so wonderful so people are going back to movies um i don't know that the covid break um changed movie going in the sense of whether or not i i think things still are pretty much the same in the sense that if you make a good movie people are going to go see it if you make a crappy movie people aren't going to go see it right and there's also something that takes place in the fact that, you know, you, if people people need to, there's usually part of the budget is marketing so that people are aware that this movie is going to happen. And so they run ads for it and on the social medias as well as wherever, right, to let you know this movie's coming out. All kinds of things that factor into whether or not people go see a movie. Then if it's not great opening night you can even have a big opening night and then have a drop off the next day right so much and y'all know this because you know we love movies right at least we used to and then there's also been a factor of uh the the movies has become so many of them have become about um comic book like superhero stuff formulaic so i mean the movie industry's changed right so a lot has gone into it's so agenda driven, just so much has gone into the change in the entertainment industry and then it being so politicized. I know so many people just stopped because they just were just so sick of the agenda driven crap. Right. Until Top Gun Mav came back. Um, Jalapeno, do you go to movies a lot? Are you a big movie guy? 
once in a while. Yeah. Um, did you hear about a movie called Bros? No. I, I didn't hear about a movie called Bros. I got family in the movie industry. I love movies. Um, I will watch a variety of different topics. I'm not one of these conservatives or Christians that thinks that I have to I have to be in order to make sure that my I manage my thought life and that, you know, I'm not swayed and tempted into sin, that I can't watch a movie with cuss words or that I have to everything has to support my Christian worldview and my conservative worldview. I will watch movies that have bad stuff happen that I don't support you know in terms of culturally or whatever you know i want to be entertained when i watch movies um that's the number one thing that drives the box office is it an entertaining movie before somebody drops twenty dollars on a movie and for me then about fifty dollars in snacks i want to be entertained so this movie bros opens at the box office starring somebody i've never heard of a dude named billy eichner or eichner who was upset and went on a twitter storm over the weekend that the movie he starred in and we also know that there's also big names quote oh, oh you know what it means to open a movie right that's where somebody is so well known so beloved as an actor that they them saying they're going to star in this movie means money comes behind it Effort comes behind it like a Julia Roberts, right? Nobody's ever heard of this dude. Yet he's angry right now and blaming America for the fact that this movie only made $4.8 million this weekend. I hadn't heard of this movie. Jalapeno hadn't heard of this movie. I don't know anybody heard of this movie and talking about it. I don't know anybody who said there's this movie coming out starring Billy Eichner, a gay rom-com. It's a gay romantic comedy rom-com. And I would go see it, but for the fact that it's a gay rom-com. In fact, I don't know any white cisgender dude that likes a rom-com. In fact, every romantic comedy I've ever seen in the movie theater, if I went to see it with a fellow, they went there just to make me happy. (laughs) In fact, rom-coms are what everybody talks about as being chick flicks, right? Remember in... um, uh, I can't remember. It starred Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. I, it was a, not while you were sleeping. I don't remember. Uh, Sleepless in Seattle. Sleepless in Seattle. Tom Hanks's character and his friend are making fun of chick flicks, and they and there's this whole scene in which Tom Hanks' wife and they start teasing and mocking her because she's talking about this romantic movie, right? There, you know, uh, this guy goes on to say. Quote, everyone who isn't a homophobic weirdo should go see bros tonight. You will have a blast. Um, and it is special and uniquely powerful to see this particular story on a big sp- big screen, especially for queer folks who don't get this opportunity often. I love this movie so much. Go bros, the actor tweets. Um, first of all, to accuse the movie going public of not going to see your movie, accuse them of being homophobic weirdos, isn't exactly going to fill seats. Okay, that's pretty much the dumbest please go see my movie attempt I've ever seen in my life. And number two, um, you have to be aware that you know if, if you are trying to break ground with some type of breakthrough we're now going to do the first romantic comedy that's starring gay people you've got to understand that there's a better way to approach the public on you got to understand that we are not at this point a majority of the movie majority of people 
Um, how do I say this? I mean, I, I, I guess it would say, yeah, he's right in the fact that the, that the majority of the movie going public might not be ready to go see a gay rom-com. And you know what? How about respecting the fact that maybe America isn't re- really ready for that? How about being respectful of that? And maybe asking them to give it a chance instead of coming out and calling them homophobic weirdos. Because as I just said, uh, the majority of men in this country are not gay. It doesn't make them homophobic to not be gay. It doesn't make somebody homophobic and hate-filled if they don't want to go see a movie with two gay men as the lead characters in a romantic comedy. And you're certainly not going to change hearts and minds and get anybody to pop $20 for a ticket and put a butt in a seat by calling them names. But I'm glad that he did this because I think that when you're going to treat moviegoers right now, when people can't afford to go to movies, people, it's like Tom DeBacaro said in the last segment, the majority of American people, I think I read today, 60% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. They're going to think, they're going to think closely before they go see a movie and spend $20 on a ticket. A dude's got, dude typically still picks up the check when he takes out a date. Why would he want to buy $20 tickets and spend about $100 on snacks to go and see this movie? And why would he especially want to do it now that you've name called? It just goes to show how, you know, the Hollywood is so, the sense of entitlement here just kills me. Rolling Stone, of course, he, he quotes Rolling Stone. Um, he goes on to tweet has bros on the list of the best comedies of the 21st century. Oh, well, if Rolling Stone says it's one of the best comedies, um, isn't that Rolling Stone? Huh? Wasn't this the same magazine, Rolling Stone, that went on and falsely accused some Duke lacrosse players of gang rape? Yeah, that Rolling Stone, hard pass on their recommendations. Um, hmm. Have you guys seen this? Let me know. Oh, and he goes on to say, box office, as we all know, has absolutely nothing to do with the quality of a movie. <laughs> when was the last time there was a, a, a huge Mondo box office hit where Americans went over and over and over at $20 a ticket to see a movie that wasn't good? I can't think of one. I can't think of one at all. I could be wrong. And tweeting about a movie you haven't actually seen is meaningless. That's just Twitter BS. The majority of people who see bros really love it. Well, of course, because the majority of people who've seen bros are based in L.A., New York, and San Francisco, apparently. And he's just angry that middle America and the South hasn't seen it. Probably because nobody's heard of it. And yeah, you know what? Middle America and the South doesn't have to apologize for the fact that they haven't embraced your culture. Nor do they have to. But oh, by the way, interestingly enough, though, the movie called Call Me By Your Name, which starred Army Hammer um, having a gay relationship as an adult man with a 17-year-old, actually made a whole lot of movie, a whole lot of bank at the movies. Just a side note. Hey, thanks for being here. Love you all. Follow me on all the socials at Andrea K. Show. Email me at andreakshow.com. Our 24-hour hotline is 844-814-5227. Peace out. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.